Support for this podcast comes from Davis Malm. If you're a buyer, seller, investor, or lender, Davis Malm attorneys know each deal has unique needs and requirements. Building client relationships one transaction at a time. More at davismalm.com. D-A-V-I-S-M-A-L-M.com. WBUR Podcasts. Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. WBUR reporter Deborah Becker, welcome back to The Common. Thanks for having me. Yes, indeed. So, Deb, almost one-third of adults in the U.S. say they or someone in their family have been addicted to opioids. And you recently reported a story about how some providers and some families are changing the way they approach supporting loved ones with addiction. So before we get into the nitty gritty, just talk to us about how you came to this story. Well, I I read about a training at Boston Medical Center. Mm -hmm. They were training addiction treatment providers and families. So I asked BMC if I could attend a training session with those providers and and see what they were suggesting. And really what I heard, Daryl, surprised me, Mm -hmm. you know, because when I first started covering addiction, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, I remember that the advice to loved ones and the advice to tell providers what they should say to loved ones was, oh, you got to cut that addicted person off, right? Tough love. Mm -hmm. Let them hit bottom or they're never going to stop. And so this was a little bit different. So I decided to explore it in a story. So your story focuses on Ken Feldstein and his son, Brendan. Tell us about them. So Ken found out that his son, Brendan, was struggling with heroin when Brendan was in college. He said his son Brendan was uh, really, really in the throes of addiction for more than seven years, Uh, went to dozens of treatment programs, and the family was really suffering uh, through all of this as well. And Ken said he he and his late wife, Barbara, went to support groups for loved ones, and the main advice to them was detach. Here's Mm -hmm. what Ken told me. So it's a really heavy message of if you're tolerating it, you're enabling it. So big gulp of that Kool-Aid. And it sounded very reasonable because nothing we were doing was working. Hmm. Right. So that was that was really what he and his wife decided to try. At least it was something that they could do at that point. Deb, in all your years of covering this, like you said, you would often see the approach of, you know, cut them off, let them hit rock bottom. What kind of research is behind that? Well, I think that there definitely have been people who said that they did not stop using substances until they faced very harsh consequences. But recovery is individualized and uh, everyone's different. There's also a lot of shame and stigma and guilt for people who use substances when they can't stop. And cutting them off from their support system may just exacerbate those feelings and then sort of keep them in this cycle of using to numb themselves from the painful emotions that they're experiencing. So Mm. I think it, it all depends on your situation. But initially, I think people were looking for answers. 
And this may have been an answer for some to detach and to cut off and to let someone hit bottom. So I think people said, if it worked for Daryl, I'm trying it because that's the way out. But as Mm -hmm. we've learned in these many years since, there is no one way out. Well, now tell us about the approach you learned about, this more loving approach where you don't cut them off. So, again, it's not black and white, but it's, it's more supporting someone through recovery. And and it's particularly hard for parents, right? Because these are the folks who are supposed to set the rules, right? To lead by example uh, and tell people when they're in the wrong. And so in this case, it's not so much scolding and punishing. It's more accepting and saying, let me join you on your recovery journey, and let's get you there. It doesn't automatically mean, oh, I'm going to let my loved one live in my house and use drugs openly all the time. Like, that's right. not what they're saying. They're saying it's it's more of a supportive journey based on how that particular family unit, if you will, uh, defines its values and priorities. Well, how have you seen this play out with Ken and Brendan? So with Ken and Brendan, Ken said he realized that his son was living on the streets, uh, his was in a really dangerous situation, uh, could have died. He wasn't comfortable with it. The rest of his family wasn't comfortable with it. And his son wasn't getting any better. These harsh consequences weren't working for Brendan. And so he decided that he was going to change. This is what he said. So what do you do, you know? So I landed on love. I still feel that love wins. So Daryl Ken said he, he basically set some boundaries, but he wasn't going to tell Brendan to stay away from the family. So for Brendan, what he says is that he noticed the shift almost immediately. He actually met his dad at a gas station one day, uh, one of the few times he contacted his dad. And he said he could tell right away that things had changed. This is what Brendan said. It was just a, a mixture of, of love and sadness. It was what I would learn was sort of the moment that dad had accepted, like his only job in his words was to love me. Of, of all the experiences that I had in trying to get sober and failing, that stayed with me. And so that was a a big deal to him, to feel that his family wasn't so ashamed of him that they wouldn't even let him around. And then Mm. Brendan's mom entered hospice care. Uh, Brendan ended up taking care of his mom and realized he was the only one physically able to carry her to her bed. And he realized that he was really an integral part of this family. He said... He realized his family was in such a state, and he had an important role to play in this family, to help his family heal, and he wasn't going to let them down. And that was a really key moment for him, and he has not used drugs in the decade since. Wow, that's beautiful. We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. Thank you. 
The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair. A new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with more from Deborah Becker. Deb, let's go back to those BMC trainings that you mentioned at the top. How are they encouraging providers to change their approach to how loved ones can help someone in their family or close to them deal with addiction? Right, right. And and I should mention that some of the folks I spoke with said, you know what, I think if you tell families that they should really be doing more and take more of a role— It's too much. It's not their job. And they say sometimes people don't stop unless they're uncomfortable. They don't stop using substances. So so there is some debate about that. But during the trainings, I think it was surprising to me that so many providers were eager to include loved ones more in the process. And I I spoke with Alicia Ventura with Boston Medical Center's Gregan Center for Addiction. She runs these trainings for providers. And Mm -hmm. she said, you know, especially as addiction becomes increasingly dangerous with the deadly opioid fentanyl permeating the drug supply, there, there have to be some changes made, right? Treatment has to evolve. This is what she said. We need to start trying new things. And part of that really is going to be improving their interactions with their families and taking advantage of these people who innately love them and want to care for them. And Daryl, during the training, uh, she suggested really specific things to these providers, like let a loved one make an initial call to get someone into treatment. Try to really, really make sure that you can get a patient to sign a medical release form so you can even talk to loved ones. And if they refuse, advise loved ones, I might not be able to tell you what's going on here, but you can call me and tell me anything you want, and I can Mm -hmm. listen. And if you think that's going to help this person's treatment, I can see what I can do with that information. Just little ways around the current system right now that does not encourage family involvement. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Alicia mentioned the fentanyl that is currently 
driving this opioid crisis, mm-hmm. right? The, the deaths of it and, and everything. Could you speak more about that and, and just talk about the urgency that is behind this current conversation right now? Or is that adding an urgency, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Fentanyl. Absolutely. I mean, fentanyl is, is, is not just in opioids, right? It's a very deadly opioid that's permeated um, a lot of different drugs. Right now, at least in Massachusetts, more than 90% of the people who have died of drug overdoses have had mm. some combination of fentanyl in their system. So it makes drug wow. use very, very dangerous. So, you know, it, it's tough to say, let a loved one take that risk mm-hmm. because it is incredibly risky now, much more so than it was even five years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With this new approach of you know, leading with love. Did Alicia or any other trainers or anyone else mention how the larger community could play a part in supporting somebody with addiction? It's interesting. The way that Alicia Ventura described it to me was, you know, addiction still, even though we've been dealing with this for a long time, it's not what she called a a quote-unquote casserole disease, right? Mm -hmm. With other Uh, medical ailments, your neighbors, your community, they might bring over a casserole if a loved Mm -hmm. one has a certain ailment. With addiction, that doesn't happen. And she says a lot of that is because of shame. What she suggested is that people try to look beyond that and realize that if we really truly believe that addiction is a medical disorder, disease, then perhaps we should support those people who are struggling with it and their loved ones as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Deb, if someone knows somebody who is struggling with addiction locally around here, what resources are available as they work to, to provide support to this person? Well, the BMC trainings are, are not just for providers. They're also for families, and they're at no cost. There are family support groups, various uh, family support groups that are good. There are also websites where people can find resources and look for resources that might be in their particular location. The Partnership to End Addiction, the Center for Motivation and Change, which advocates this approach called the CRAFT approach, which is really about training loved ones to deal with someone with addiction. So those websites are, are very helpful and offer trainings and resources to people that they may find useful if they're, if they're dealing with this. Deb, thank you so much for this story and taking the time to come talk with us about it. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. That's WBUR reporter Deborah Becker. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you want to check out Deb's full story, you can head on over to WBUR.org and look for the story, I Landed on Love, Families Try a Different Approach to Addiction. And if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow.